Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, our world gets a little more connected. But a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Episode 157, the rapid reaction game seven episode on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. For all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, NFL futures for next year, fights, you can find it all at BetOnline. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Well, right now, I would put a nice little wager on a Subway Series World Series, but that's just me. Bet Online has you covered for all of it. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today. Use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus from your first deposit. That is promo code BLEAV, again, B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. With that said, episode. 157, a joyous episode. Let's get this work. Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Let's trace the hits. Check the file, let's see who bit the dot, check the style I flip the script so it can't get filed At least not now, it'll take a while I change the pace to complete the beat I drop the bass to MCs get weak For every road they trace is a scar they keep Cause when I speak, they freak the sweat, the technique Episode 157, for the love of the game Coming in on a Sunday evening, May 15th It is now about 10.40 in the evening And I am absolutely jazzed up Absolutely on cloud nine, we had an unbelievable, crazy Ranger game. The Rangers just won game seven, coming back from a 3-1 deficit against the Pittsburgh Penguins, winning game seven in overtime 4-3. Wow, just just wow. Today was a monster, monster sports day. We had game sevens in the NHL. Rangers just won, as I just said. We'll talk about it in a second. We had two Game 7s in the NBA. It was a monster day. And I was obviously very emotionally invested in today. The Rangers, my guy Giannis, was playing Game 7 against the Boston Celtics in Boston. That obviously did not go the way I wanted it to go. But, yeah, just a a wild, wild day. I'm shocked I haven't gotten a noise complaint from my neighbors yet. They're being good sports, so I apologize to them, but you got to bear with me. It's playoff hockey, 
things happen, noises are made, like just wild, wild times. So let, let's talk about the day that was today in sports because it was an incredible, incredible day. We'll start with the NBA games. And uh, shout out to my mom who texted me during the day, but the Yankees won today. Like, mom, that's great. It's the middle of May. No one really cares about baseball right now. I'm glad that the Yankees won a series against the Chicago White Sox. Nestor Cortez has been awesome, but we can't focus on that right now. We, we I don't have the emotional bandwidth to focus on the Yankees right now with all that was going on today. So let's start with the NBA game. So we started off with Milwaukee and Boston. Game seven in Boston. The Boston Celtics, incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive today to win game seven at home. Incredibly impressive to win game six on the road, surviving a 44-point, 20-rebound performance from Giannis Antetokounmpo on the road. Jason Tatum was tremendous in the fourth quarter, made every single big shot, matched Giannis bucket for bucket. Just awesome. And then to come back and win today, I didn't think the Celtics were going to win today. I didn't think they were going to win game six after the way game five ended. That crazy finish with Drew Holiday making two of the better defensive plays I've ever seen to win a game. Game six on the road, you thought the Celtics were just going to be emotionally crushed from that game five loss. But nope, they win game six and they win game seven and they shot the lights out today. Jason Tatum was great. Jalen Brown was great. But that really wasn't the story. The story was the Boston Celtics shooting threes. They set an NBA record for the most three-pointers made in a game today. And while that was happening, the Milwaukee Bucks guards, the combo of Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, who was next-level dreadful all series, Pat Connaughton, who was good most of the series, and Wes Matthews, who also was good most of the series but not good today, at one point, they were 0 of 16 from 3. 0 of 16 from 3. In a game that was a five-point game at the half, coming out in the second half, they were trading twos for threes. And credit to Boston, especially Grant Williams, who basically turned into Stephen Curry for the day. They made their threes. And Coach Mike Budenholzer's defense gives up three-point attempts. They don't give anything up at the rim, but they give up three-point attempts. And sometimes it's very simple. It's a make-or-miss league. Yeah, Giannis was really, really good in the first half. He wasn't great in the second half. Missed a couple of bunnies at the rim. It happens. Now, Giannis needed to be next-level superhuman for them to win today. Yes, that needed to be the case. He was not that way today. He just wasn't. He just wasn't. But this wasn't about Giannis. This wasn't about the Bucs not having Chris Middleton. This was about the Boston Celtics having a 60-12 to 12 advantage from the three-point line. Sometimes it's that simple. It's a make-or-miss league sometimes. And today that's what it boiled down to. Boston shot the lights out. The Bucs did not. And that's what you have. That's what you have. But, yeah, so shout-out to the Celtics. Incredibly impressive performance. I mean, you can't poo-poo their defense either. Their defense was great. They corralled Giannis in the second half. They forced other guys to shoot the ball. And, again, the Bucs guards were, were next-level dreadful. Do I think the Bucs are a better team with Chris Middleton? Yes, I do. 
Do I think on an average shooting game, the Bucs win this game? Yes, I do. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. The reality was the Celtics shot the lights out. And good for them. They they earned it. I mean, Jason Tatum has been tremendous. He's turning into the player that everybody says he was going to be. And then some, like on that upper, upper crust of NBA superstars. And he, he basically put himself there with this series. You know, they were down 3-2 when he goes on the road and has a 45-point night and was absolutely awesome and then follows it up with another great game in Game 7. That's where the legacies are made. So give Jason Tatum credit. Give the Celtics credit. They shot the lights out today. But then you take the Twitter afterwards, and obviously I'm a Giannis guy. I don't hide that. I can't stand the Celtics. I can't stand Marcus Smart. He flops like crazy. Grant Williams, another flop artist. I, I don't care for their games. I think anybody who likes their games outside of, if you live in the city of Boston, I think you need to have your head examined because I think just flopping is lame. It's corny. I don't want any part of it. But credit where credit is due, they won today. But So you go to Twitter and everybody's talking about Giannis slander, right? That Giannis, you know, isn't this, isn't that. And just like, He's the first guy in NBA history to put up 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a series. First guy in NBA history, all right? Like, what else was he supposed to do? And I have these doofuses that I'm friends with. I don't know why I still talk sports with them because I am so far more intelligent than they are when it comes to NBA basketball. They're like, Giannis isn't all that. Giannis isn't all that. He's a mid, as they say. I don't even know what the hell that means, but I know it's derogatory. It's like, if you have any semblance of a brain, you saw what happened today. And again, he wasn't his best today. He wasn't. I mean, there were layups he missed at the rim today. I I think the game was getting a little out of hand at that point because the Celtics weren't missing from three. But still, Giannis wasn't great. But if you walk away with any other conclusion except for Giannis is the best player in the league. He proved that this series, and he is going to be the barometer for which everybody in the Eastern Conference is measured against for the next six to seven years. Well, I don't know what else to tell you. Watch another sport because you have absolutely no comprehension of what's going on here. And then there were the comparisons, obviously, with uh, Giannis and LeBron, and I said it too. I said Giannis at age 26 and 27 was is better than LeBron at age 26 and 27. I still feel that to be the case. For those who don't know, LeBron at 26 and 27 were his first two years in Miami, right? Where he had an epic meltdown collapse his first year in Miami. And in the second year, he was really, really good. I still think Giannis was better at 27 than LeBron was at 27. But that's... That doesn't mean that I think Giannis was better than LeBron for all the years leading up to his 26 and 27-year-old season. No, that's not the case because LeBron James took one of the worst supporting casts of the NBA Finals at the age of 23. I actually think that's his most impressive feat in his entire career. A great career. But for the LeBron stands to all of a sudden start slandering Giannis. And then you have the KD stands, right? Or like KD was called a choke artist last year because he lost in the second round. Well, no one was really calling KD a choke artist for last year. 
They're calling him a choke artist this year because he got his ass swept and wasn't all that competitive and had a bad series. That's not what he did last year, and that's not what Giannis did this year. So, of course, they're the idiots out there, and I guess it's my job to educate the idiots. But anyway, that was a long-winded tangent. I will always defend my guy Giannis. He's, again, the best player in the league. The slander is ridiculous, but congratulations to the Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Boston Celtics. And then we had the second game seven in the NBA. This one wasn't as compelling as the first one. The Suns Mavericks. The Mavericks were down 3-2 like the Celtics. They came back to win in Game 7. And they didn't just win in Game 7. On the road, this one was a laugher. This one was a laugher. 123-90 to against the Phoenix Suns, the number one seed, a team that had the most wins in the NBA this season. Uh, wild. Didn't see this one coming either. Now, I, I thought that I, I wasn't surprised that the Mavericks won game six, but to see this result and not be surprised, I, I mean, if you saw this happening, I, I mean, I'd call you a liar, an absolute liar. Luka Doncic was sensational tonight, absolutely sensational. He has been sensational the entire series. Now, I've said on this show and on Twitter and in a bunch of various WhatsApp chats that I don't think Luka Doncic can win an NBA title playing completely heliocentric Luka ball a la the way James Harden did it in Houston, the way Kobe Bryant did it for the first couple of years after Shaquille O'Neal was traded, and the way that Jordan did it earlier in his career. That formula doesn't win titles. It doesn't. I stand by that. I don't care how great Luka was this series. Again, this is only the second round of the playoffs, right? But if you noticed, if you watched the games where Dallas won, it wasn't as heliocentric with Luka doing everything and everybody else just standing around watching. That's not what happened, right? Take tonight, for example, when the game was still in the balance. Luka was on the bench and... The combination of Jalen Brunson and specifically Spencer Dimwitty in the second quarter put together a run that blew this game open. And again, Luka was sensational. And Luka is better at doing what he does than James Harden ever was. I'm on record saying that. But yeah, for the Mavericks to win, and I think they can win next round against the Golden State Warriors, they need to be more team-oriented in a sense where Luka's going to get his numbers. But if he sacrifices his numbers a little bit and his usage a little bit so that other guys feel involved and aren't just standing around waiting to hit catch-and-shoot threes, they're going to be better off. You saw that this series. When Brunson was empowered as a ball handler, 
more in games, they won. Look at games one and two where they didn't win, where Phoenix beat them pretty handily. It was all Luke all the time. And it resulted in L's. And for my knucklehead friends who are telling me, oh, Aaron's being ridiculous saying that Luka can't win this way. It's like, I stand by it. And it's true. And again, this is only the second round. As great as he is. And right now, you could argue him being the second best player in the league. I'd still give Jokic and Embiid a leg up on him. But he's no lower than fourth. But again, when the Mavericks have more guys involved, they're a more dangerous team. But kudos to them. And their defense was sensational. And now that's the Mavericks. And I expect them to put up a major fight against the Golden State Warriors. And if the Golden State Warriors do what they did last series and dick around in a couple of games, they're going to get caught and the Mavericks are going to go to the finals. And, and Luka right now at 23 years old is just, he's hes incredible. He's absolutely incredible. I was mad at him to start the year because he didn't take off-season conditioning seriously. But when he figures all that stuff out and figures out the right balance in terms of him constantly getting his and getting other guys involved, I mean, I mean look out. Look out because he could rule the Western Conference for years, for years. But let's get to the Phoenix Suns, all right? I want to talk about Devin Booker for a second because Devin Booker, the first six years of his career, didn't make the playoffs, put up a lot of stats, didn't make the playoffs, lost a lot of games. Gets Chris Paul on his team, and all of a sudden he starts getting a little aggro, starts getting a little extra, all right? And people are talking about Devin Booker being in this tier of player, right? That he's in the class of a Giannis, of a Luka, right? There are levels to this. And I know Devin Booker is going to make first team all NBA this year. I know because, you know, John Morant missed a lot of games. Steph Curry missed a lot of games. And he had a great year. But there are levels to this, bro. There are levels to this. And he ain't at that level. And you saw it this series. Started doing a lot of woofing. You know, pumping his chest out. Doing a lot of smack talk. A lot of woofing. Specifically to one Luka Doncic. All right? Talking a lot of junk. Thinking that he is Luka's equal. Well, my friend, you are not Luka's equal. All right? So all the aggro shit. All the whining and bitching to the referees, the flopping, the foul hunting. Get lost, dude. There's a pecking order. All right? There's a pecking order in the NBA. Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, and Luka are the top level of the pecking order. Everybody else slides in after that. Devin Booker, your name is not in that top four. So I don't want to hear it, man. A lot of woofing, only to get smacked, smacked around in game seven. Was down by 42 points at the end of three quarters, 92 to 50. Straight up embarrassing. And I killed 
the Philadelphia 76ers in their series for the way they lost and how James Harden crapped himself all over the place. Shot four for nine. 11 points, only took two shots in the second half, missed both, basically looked like he couldn't give a shit. And that was the second most embarrassing loss of the second round. So Devin Booker and all your woofing, pumping your chest out after you started playing with Chris Paul. Like, know your place, dude. Know your place. And you were put in your place tonight. As for Chris Paul, I mean, four bad games in a row. I mean, he wasn't terrible in game five, but he was really bad in games three and four. He was serviceable in game five, was not good in game six, and was not good tonight. And for a guy who's had unbelievable playoff games, as I said on the last show, unbelievable playoff games, when he's bad, he's really bad. Really, really, really bad. The the split between his really good and his really bad might be as big a gap for any great player in the history of the league. Wild, absolutely wild. I mean, it's a made it's a stain on his career. It's a stain on his career. This is this was supposed to be a year where the Phoenix Suns got back to the finals and made amends. They had the profile, the regular season profile of a title winning team. And for them to get embarrassed like they did on their home court in Game 7, I mean, not sure where you go from here if you're Phoenix. I mean, you're probably going to run it back and just say it was an anomaly, but just ain't it. It ain't it. Wild. Absolutely wild. So now you have the Miami Heat against the Boston Celtics starting Tuesday night. I know a lot of people are saying, and I'm included in that, that the winner of the Bucks, Celtics was probably going to make the finals and probably going to win the whole thing. People are sleeping on the Miami Heat. You're sleeping on the Miami Heat, and Jimmy Butler has quietly been the second or third best player in the playoffs behind Luka and Giannis. And I'm leaning Celtics. But, man, it's close. It's really, really close. And as for the Western Conference, I'm leaning Warriors. But, again, if they mess around and they dick around like they did against Memphis and they knew they could against Memphis, like they literally punted game five to come back and win it at home, like crazy. I, I don't know of another... NBA team that has the arrogance to do that. And again, I know they made five straight finals and won three titles, but it's not really the same team, right? And it's been a couple of years since then. The collective arrogance on the Golden State Warriors is a little startling. If they pull that jazz against this Mavericks team that is tough, that plays defense and has the best player in the series, as great as Stephen Curry is, Luka's the best player in the series right now. They're going to get God. And for the nightcap that I alluded to at the start of the show, the New York Rangers. After losing game one in triple overtime, 
after losing games three and four in embarrassing fashion, giving up seven goals in each game with Igor Shosturkin being absolutely terrible in those games, to come back and win the next three shows a tremendous amount of resilience, especially for a team this young with no playoff, real playoff experience going into this run. I mean, just, just a wild game, a wild game. And to do it against a team that has been battle-tested and has made many runs, many a couple runs, and has won a couple of titles in the Pittsburgh Penguins that has an all-time great in Sidney Crosby leading the team, who is great in this series too, by the way. Just, just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I'm, I'm actually at like a little bit of a loss for words on this one. I mean, the last two nights, they trailed going into the third period, both games, and came back to win. Every time you think that they were being completely outplayed and that they were going to get knocked down, it was going to be the knockout blow that was going to absolutely kill them. They rose up off the mat. They battled back. They would get a power play goal. Something would happen. And they just found a way to win. It's as simple as that. They found a way to win. I'm, I haven't crunched all the advanced stats and the numbers. But you could look at this series and be like, they, there was no way that they should have won these games. And sometimes you just got to be resilient. Sometimes sports doesn't have to make sense. And I think this series was one of those times. It was one of those times. Now, Shesterkin battled back, you know, had really good performances since the Game 3 and Game 4 disaster. Mika Zibanejad was big all series. Kreider had a lot of moments. And then Panarin tonight with the game winner in overtime, just an unbelievable win. Unbelievable win. On to Carolina next round. They're not going to be favored to win that series. I don't really care. We'll deal with that either Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Till then, we're going to enjoy this. Now, again, I'm recording this monologue right after all this happened. I'm still figuring out guests. Hopefully, we're going to talk a little bit more Rangers about this series and next series later on the show. We may be talking about the NBA playoffs specifically Luka Doncic later on the show. We're still figuring that out. But man, what a night. What a night of sports. The Giannis and the Bucks losing hurt my feelings. But the Rangers made up for it and then some. With that said, we'll get into the second half of the show in just a matter of moments. This episode of the For the Love of the Game show on the Bleep podcast is brought to you by Auto Approved. AutoApprove is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster. AutoApprove connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions, banks, and finance companies to find the best available interest rates. That helps you handle the paperwork, simplifying the vehicle refinancing process from the beginning to end and putting money back in your wallet. Take your tag light to the next level with more money in your pocket. Not only will you save thousands on your auto loan, with working with Auto Approve, but for all listeners that refinance through Auto Approve, they will send you a hundred dollars cash to your mailbox. That's right; they'll not only help you lower your monthly payment, but if you use Auto Approve promo code slash believe, they'll send you a hundred dollars back cash back. 
To find out how much you can save and claim your $100 cash back again, go to autoproof.com slash believe. Autoproof. Save money on your car loan. I mentioned it at the end of the monologue. I wasn't exactly sure when I was recording the monologue who I was going to bring on as a guest and what the topic was going to be, but I have a recurring guest. I was going to let him gloat a little bit because apparently, even though he's really a Denver Nuggets fan, he says he's a Celtics fan, so I figured I'd bring him on to gloat. The Celtics hurt my feelings and my guy Giannis. But, yeah, here he is, uh, Avi Wexler, recurring guest. Avi, what's good, bud? How we doing? Hey, thanks for taking me on. Um, really happy to be here as usual and even happier uh, today than I was Wednesday night, Thursday night, whenever Game 5 was after the Celtics blew that horrible Game 5. Wednesday uh, night. Wednesday night, yeah. Just I was, uh, I'm just coming off my own uh, honeymoon in uh, Greece. I had to stake out the Antetokounmpo family just to make sure if anything was going to come around, I maybe just had to leverage some capabilities against them. But uh, happy it didn't have to come to that. Um, yeah, what can I say? Shout, I mean, shout out to you, sick flex on the Greece trip. All right, so let's, let's go. <laughs> let's start with game five, right? Because where were you mentally after game five specifically going into game six we we all know how it played out right Jason Tatum has a 46 point game incredible matches Giannis bucket for bucket because Giannis went for 44 and 20 on his home court in a game six right (laughs) and then game seven happens they set the record for most threes made in a game seven they win a game that was a little closer than what the final score indicated, but you know, Definitely. you know, they they did they did win the game in Game Seven. So take me back to after Game Five. Drew Holiday has the two defensive plays. Where were you at mentally, and did you honestly believe that the Celtics were going to win this series? Well, going into the series, I thought the Celtics were the better team, and I felt through games one through five at that point that the Celtics. Should have probably won four of those games. I'd say they they deserve to lose game one, I think, game one of the series. Yeah. But I thought that they were the better team in games two, three, four, and five. And they had just blown the lead in a couple of games that were really close. But those were self-inflicted injuries. Like in game five, the story was we were literally hitting offensive defensive rebounds out of our own hands, which, lead, which led to the Bobby Portis play, right? Uh, and then I... To me, it wasn't a, this team is as good as us or better. It was more, we are still playing a little too tight. uh, And we have been this team that has overcome so much over the course of the season, but there were still those doubts in the back of your head. Like when the chips are down, can this team actually really go toe to toe with the other great teams? And I, I think this series proved it. So game six comes on and I, I had a feeling that it would at least be a close game. And I know that Scott Foster, AKA the extender or the ender, however you want to call him was supposed to ref the game. And then he got six. So he wasn't refing the game and, you know, Tatum took over was basically unconscious from three and had, and, they made, those, and he made tough shots, tough shots. They, like, those those were not like great shots. No, they, they were tough, tough, shots and they were tough shots and in a like like a known to be tough place to play like milwaukee's not an easy place to play it's not it's not like you're playing like where the net in brooklyn where the nets are where they don't have any fans right you're playing in milwaukee this is the defending champs and they were the team that was like 
you can tell a lot about how a team I'd say plays after winning a championship, if they want it or not. Some teams are like, we won it last year. We're good. Everything that happens is gravy after the fact. This was a team that was like, no, like even if we're without Middleton, like we're clearly trying to get there again. And we think we can. And they were that close, right? They made it to seven games. I thought that overall over, over the course of the series without Middleton, the Bucks were not as good of a team. And I think it was clearly. No, but they had the best player, right? But They had the they best had- player. Yes, they had the best player and arguably the third best player in Drew Holiday. I'd say Tatum was the second best player. Drew Holiday is probably the third best player, right? But even then, the, the rest of the Celtics lineup, I'd say top to bottom was better than what the Bucks had with what Giannis and Drew had to deal with. And that's kind of what it came down to, right? Especially when it came to game seven. I mean, it was the Grant Williams show, right? right. So once we had won game six and we were back on the home court, everybody knows the role players play better at home, especially in the playoffs. And I don't blame the Bucks for guarding uh, Grant Williams in game seven like he, they did because after game two, he was basically unplayable offensively. As good as he was defensively, you would just kind of let him shoot. It was almost like how teams were starting to treat Draymond or have been treating Draymond where it's like, you know, we're going to give you five, six feet of space because we don't really care if the ball's in your hand. And, you know, eventually he woke up and this over the course of the regular season, he was the league's, I think, best three-point shooter, especially from the corner. So, I guess something clicked in him and he got his confidence back. I think they ran like an uh, after timeout play for him and he hit a three and then, you know, he hit seven threes. Granted, he took 18 of them, but still hitting seven threes. He was the reason that they ended up going through. And he missed his first couple and you thought it could, it could snowball poorly. Yeah. yeah, So I, I wanted to just touch on a couple of things you said, because I, I picked, the Bucks to win. I thought they were going to win game six. I thought they were going to win game seven Sure. for, you know, because for a team that hadn't been there, right? Like the Celtics. Yeah. Like they got to the Eastern conference finals a couple of years ago, but this is a different team yep. than, than that. It's a better team than that, but it's a different team than that. And after the way game five ended, it, it just, and Bill Simmons talked about it on his show and how deflating that was. And so I was I was surprised that, you know, a defending champion who's building off that momentum, like, they just let us off the hook. We stole this. They just let us off the hook. We're going back to the crib, as they say, and we're going to take care of business. And, you know, they get an all-world performance from the best player in the sport. Yep. 44 and 20. And you think that that's going to be it. And no, and I, I give them a tremendous amount of credit for game six and then to turn around again in game seven because you're thinking like, all right, so we've seen in this series that home court hasn't really mattered, right? Because teams have been winning road games the entire time. Like, are the Celtics just going to get tight because they haven't done it before? And as you said, the role players play well at home. Grant Williams turned into Steph Curry for a stretch yep. and it's a make or miss league. Sometimes, sometimes it's that simple because Grant Williams made tons of threes. The Celtics made over 23s and the combination of drew West Matthews, Pat Connaughton, who was good. Most of the series. Yeah. And Grayson Allen. When Oh, we're Oh of 16 from three at a point. And they were outscored by 48 points at the three point line. And there's your ball game, right? Ball, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It comes down to that, right? I mean, you said it before. I think like 
I, I, I want to push back a little bit on the after game five, it felt like the series was over only because I think that's the case. If like in Phoenix's case where Phoenix is definitely, and we'll touch on it later, Phoenix yeah. was definitely the better all around team than Dallas. And when they lost a game, it was like, wow, I can't believe the Mavs stole a game from Phoenix. I still think, and we'll get into it later, as I said, that Dallas is not as good of a team top to bottom than Phoenix, but when you go cold, you go cold. And when you go hot, you go hot. And I think when it came to the Celtics losing game five, the way they did, it was like, man, it's not like we're the worst team that almost pulled off the upset because we were essentially the same team record wise as the season went along. And we were the higher seed, right? Exact same record. And we were the higher seed because we chose not to duck Brooklyn. We have confidence and we lost that game, game five. And I was thinking, it felt like we could have won the series at that point, basically. But it's not like once that game was lost, I didn't think that the series was over. I just thought game six was like the, okay, this is what this team will be. Because whoever won, in my opinion, once the Celtics won game six, I was, I was pretty confident. I even said it to uh, my, my family who I was with over the weekend. I was like, I feel not nervous about game seven only because of how well we've been playing over the course of the series and how little other guys on the Bucks just weren't really like scaring me offensively. Like Connaughton always plays well against us. Middleton, especially in Boston. Yeah. Especially in Boston. He shoots well in Boston and he was ice cold. Yeah. It just got other guys from the team didn't scare me. And it seemed like the Celtics were like, okay, like we're going to, Giannis is going to get tired eventually because he's getting banged and bruised all series. It's a very physical series. And then you had other guys on the bucks who just like, couldn't get anything going. I was a little surprised that, Budenholzer kept with Grace Nallen because they were hunting him every chance they could, the Celtics were. And I could guess maybe, well, from an offensive standpoint, he's a little bit more of a consistent three-point shooter than Javon Carter. But I just thought based on how Carter was playing in the first couple of games in the series, why not switch it back up considering Grace Nallen just really yeah. wasn't getting it done. That, that was at least where I was looking at it from. So I, I was surprised that they went that route, but at the end of the day, not having Middleton for the Bucks, I felt like was just the biggest difference. If Middleton is there, the Bucks probably win that game six, in my opinion, at least. Let me ask you this. Everybody knows my opinions of Giannis. Yeah. I, I don't try to hide it. For, for an opposing fan base, going against a guy like that, who at 26, 27 years old will probably be the barometer of the Eastern Conference. And he'll kind of be like almost like Tim Duncan was in the West or like a little bit like LeBron was in the East for a while. Sure. Where he's going to be the measuring stick, right, for which other Eastern Conference teams are measured against. Like you, he's going to be the guy that you have to go through for the foreseeable future, assuming health, because – that's where he is in the league. He's in the prime of his career, and he's just getting better. So for, you know, a, a Celtics fan who who's going through that and sees that, you know, a, a, and has watched Giannis just absolutely dominate these games. I mean, in a game that he didn't play well yesterday, he had 25-20-9. Like, yeah. it, it's just, like, ridiculous. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Describe to me the feeling of of watching your favorite team play against that and what that feels like. Well, so it's it's interesting because going into the series, and as you know, I'm also a, a very big Giannis fan. I have my I have like two pairs of Giannis shoes of my own. Like, couldn't be happier to root for the guy because by all accounts, he is 
like the hardest working, nicest guy, the best. Not a, he's the best not a player. Like he plays clearly with heart and he like improves every year. Like I, there's nothing to root against him, which is why in the series, like I, it was hard to root against Giannis. It was more like, damn, like I can't believe we have to go up against this guy. And it's, it, I, I'm not as much of a hater of LeBron as plenty of other people are. And that's totally okay. I mean, LeBron tortured the Celtics for years on, on the heat and the Cavs. And it's just funny because after LeBron left, it's like, okay, great. Now the East is like wide open, not so fast. Now Giannis kind of took the torch as being like, who's going to be, as you said, the barometer for where the East is going to be. So it's unfortunate, I guess, coming from a Celtics fan that every year it's going to be like, okay, how's Giannis and how are the Bucks doing? Luckily though, now we have our own barometer to a sense in, uh, in terms of Tatum, who I think has now established himself as close kind of being, right? in the vicinity, third, in the vicinity. Second, third best player in the conference. Now. I, I don't think that's crazy to say. Not crazy at all. Not yeah. crazy at all. He's in the vicinity. Yeah. So, I mean, watching Giannis play, it wasn't like, Oh, he's not that good. Like I, I knew Giannis was amazing. And like, it didn't, it was only surprising. Like when you just look at the box score being like, Oh, he only has 20, 20 and five. Like I thought he had like 40, 20 and, and 10, right. Because he's just everything for that team, especially as we said, without Middleton, it's just, it's almost, I'd say he's like the more modern version of Shaq, but with a better work ethic and a harder motor. And I didn't get to watch Shaq as much or appreciate him as much until he was already on the Lakers. And he was towards the end of that three-peat year, of those three-peat years with, uh, with Kobe on the Lakers. But he's just this unguardable, unrefereeable, which isn't a word, but unreffable player where he's just a physical force. And it's just so hard to play against him. And somehow the Celtics are scraping themselves off the floor against him in a seven-game series. And he drags them to the to the bell, basically, they just couldn't finish it. And, and you can't hate them for it either, right? Like, it's a hard-fought series, and I don't think that the Bucks are looking at it any differently, being like, we need to blow up this team. I think the Bucks are looking at it as, okay, like, we're still here. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis for the next, you know, four or five years. Like, you're just yeah. – at that point, you're just working around the edges. Like, that's it. That's all you need. Exactly. Yeah. Um, talk to me about Jalen Brown. Uh, he's – a kind of guy who you can either be have like a 17 for 24 type night mm-hmm. or like a six for 24 type night. Uh, where are you at with Jalen Brown? Because I, I, I thought that, and in my last episode that I talked about the, in the Celtics was that if he was significantly better than drew holiday, the Celtics were going to be in good shape. And I thought, and he was kind of like the linchpin to the series. And he played really, he played well in game six and he played well in game seven. Like, where are you at with Jalen Brown, your confidence in him? Because for, even though he played well, like he's had some moments where it's looked bad. Like it's looked really bad. Yeah. I I think, I think it's tough to judge how good of a player where and where his development is because of when and where he was drafted, right? He was drafted third overall pick, which, I guess at the time people thought was a bit of a reach, obviously not the case considering how that draft class ended up going. I think it was probably the right pick. Um, and then hundred percent Danny Ainge nailed that one. I mean, Danny Ainge nailed that one and we can get into it later. Tatum, Grant Williams, you know, all Marcus smart. He nailed all these picks, right. Uh, Looking at it now, like as the architect of it all, but I would say it's tough for Jalen because I think Jalen was originally going to be thought of as the guy because he came in a year ahead of time and he, had a different body type as a, 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 
as compared with Tatum. And I think it took a while for him to kind of realize that, okay, Tatum is actually like a generational talent. And I am more of a generational all-star, you know, where Brown's going to be a top 25 player, top 30 player for let's say the rest of his prime, but he'll never be a top 10, top 15 player or a, a, an MVP getter, obviously, as, as opposed to Tatum. And I think that's what this second half turnaround has kind of been about. There were times in this series, especially where the Bucks were hunting him every time they could get Giannis to switch on him. He was getting oh, yeah. him. And I think that's just body type. I think Brown is just too small of a player and he's not built up like a Drew Holiday, a Kyle Lowry, or a Marcus Smart, where he doesn't have that type of muscle or grit to go against Giannis, but he's still a good defender. I I think it's it's inconsistency with him, but he's shown every year clear improvements in his offensive game. It just comes down to whether or not he can be consistent night to night. And I don't think he has to be as consistent when you have other guys who step up, role players, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and obviously Tatum leading the way. I think that's the key for them. I, I still love Jalen Brown. I think he's a great number two and he obviously he could be better. I think the key for him is just knowing when he has to step up as opposed to step back, you know? Well, that was, you mentioned that was the key to the Celtics turnaround this, this season. Uh, besides for the, you know, in addition to, I should say, Marcus Smart turning into a really good point guard, which mm-hmm. they like refused to let him do before that, bringing in Kyrie Irving. They brought in Isaiah Thomas. They had all these guys, Kemba Walker. Yeah. You know, Marcus Smart was now the, the one and he played like a real one. Uh, you know, he had flashes of the old Marcus Smart doing like, I got this stuff, but we, we don't have to get into that because oh, for the most part, he was fa- fantastic. Yeah. I would and say he had, yeah. and, and Tatum, you know, took that leap to next level where, Besides for just the scoring efficiency, it was it was the playmaking. Oh, and the fact that, you know, the game seemed to slow down for him. He was seeing the floor better and and all that kind of stuff. So looking ahead towards the series against Miami, mm-hmm. who's gonna be the linchpin of this series? Like who's the who's the guy that it, it and maybe is it Jalen Brown again that if he plays well. Assuming, you know, Tatum's a constant, right? Al Horford and Grant Williams may not give you the points, but they'll give you, you know, some type of toughness, right? Yep. They're, they're going to be kind of constants. Marcus Smart, you know, the offense isn't always there, but he's kind of a constant in terms of what he does. So, so who's going to be that barometer for if we get really good play from this guy, we're going to win the game? The series. From the Celtics standpoint, I would definitely agree with you that it's that it's Brown because Brown has yet to have that moment in the se- in any playoff series where he's well, he had the well, he had the first you know the first half of Game Two against the Bucks that, where he scored twenty five points. That and that's my point though. What what Jalen is is Jalen is has been always an amazing first half player, especially in the first quarter. Like there are nights in the first quarter where he'll have like. 12 points right out right off the jump and then he'll he'll cool off as the game goes and he ends up finishing with like 20 which is still fine and then as you said before in game one he had 25 but in game one I think he had 20 or 18 or whatever in the first half and then kind of cooled down in the second half he does he hasn't had the Jalen Brown game yet he's only had the Jalen Brown half and that's Mm -hmm. fine because he is the number two to Tatum like when the Celtics have been winning games it's been Tatum one Horford, obviously, Grant Williams, but 
Tatum has basically been the one. Jalen's been like supplanting there as the two a little bit. You know, he's been coming in and supporting there. And then that you'll have the role player come in. But he, we had the Al Horford game. We had the Grant Williams game. We had a Marcus Smart game. We had a Tatum game. We need a Jalen Brown game. So from the Celtics side, I'd say he's the linchpin. I would say overall, though, for the whole series, I would say it's a healthy Kyle Lowry. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with me on that, because if he's not healthy, he's a well, then he's not, he's not going to play. I mean, yeah. you saw it at the end of the Sixers series. Like he, you know, game four was was a mess for Kyle. They sat him down, game five and six, and 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 they rolled. And if he's not right, like yeah, the depth can help, but they're just not going to play him, right? right? Because they think that they can get enough from the Gabe Vincents, Max Struess, uh all the different guys that they have there and, and a guy, you know, who's hurt the Celtics in the past, who didn't really play a lot against the Sixers, Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to get, he's going to get more minutes in this series. How confident are you in the uh, Celtics beating the heat and advancing to the finals? Because a lot of people, and I, I guess myself included thought that the winner of this series could, you know, would actually win the finals. Yeah, I agree. Um, but the more I've thought about it, like the Heat are really tough, man. They really yeah. are. Yeah, it's tough. I think the Heat have like always had the Celtics number going back for like the last decade. But even like if you go back like not too long ago, like three years ago, I think or whatever in the bubble they beat us in the bubble. And I know the teams are different then. Like right now, Hero's obviously gotten better now. He's Sixth Man of the Year. Tatum and Brown have taken big steps as well. And but Bam is still there. And Spolstra is a phenomenal coach. I'd argue he's probably best coach in the league, in my opinion. I, I'd say so. He's the most versatile coach in the league. And the most he, decorated, he think, too, right? Yeah. He does things on the fly better than anybody else. So I would say I would say that the Heat have a very good chance of beating them. A, they have home court. And I think coming off of a grueling seven-game series for the Celtics, I, I'd say, like, I would, if I had to bet, I would say the Heat win game one just because the Celtics will be exhausted. But it's a quick turnaround time, a quick turnaround. Marcus has a midfoot sprain, so I, he'll probably be questionable for game one. Maybe he plays. I'm not sure, but I would. It's a tough. It's a tough matchup. I, I think that the issue is though, Miami's half court offense is really just not that good, especially without Lowry, as we were saying before. Like Jimmy Butler is a solid two way player. Bam is a solid big man. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. Jimmy Butler in these playoffs has been the second or third best player in the playoffs. He's been absurd. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I I also just look at who he's had to cover and play against. And like Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris is Tobias Harris. He's not. Sure. But like he was, he, like he was, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the Harden slander in a yeah, second. We'll like, he was guarding James Harden. Like, but like we've, we, we saw it two years ago also, like this is a team in the heat. And as much as I poo poo the, uh, the Mickey Mouse cup that was two years ago, like, two out of three years that they've been in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, this isn't, this no. isn't you know, small potatoes yeah. here. No, no. They, they are they, – I, I think like right now, you were you, you're right where you said it, whoever was going to come out of the Bucks celtics series is probably the finals favorite. I don't know if that's the case in Vegas right now. It probably isn't just because I feel like the West is – Warriors. Little, the yeah. Warriors are plus 120, which, which I think is more, weird. And I, I think that is really weird too, just because I, I don't feel like the Warriors. I feel like the Warriors have actually been the least consistent team of the Final Four remaining. But we can get into that later. I just, to me, it doesn't make sense as to why 
if you're going to have the Celtics favored in this series, which I think Vegas does have, and they're not huge favorites, but they're, I think, minus 170, it doesn't make sense why they wouldn't be the favorites. I just think where the Heat lack are elite, elite offensive players. They have very good defensive, and they're more deep. But at a certain point in a seven-game series, you can't play nine guys. You can't play ten guys. You, you can only play – six to eight guys. And once the fourth quarter starts in tight games, you're only playing five guys, really six guys, maybe. So that's kind of where I'm wavering on my confidence with the heat, because I don't think that Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are built for that moment yet. And they had a pretty easy go of it. I'd say in the playoffs, they played a banged up, beat up distant 76 ers team last round. They played the Hawks right before then, right. Who were probably yeah. the least deserving of the playoff teams. Right. You could argue. So I don't know if they've been prepared as battle tested, I guess, as the Celtics have been, who have just been, who were like, we're not going to, we're not going to run away from the Nets. We're going to go right at the Nets and they swept them. And then they just had a seven game grueling series against Giannis and arguably the second best team or best team in the conference in, uh, in the Bucks. So I would say I would kind of take the battle tested Celtics over the heat, despite whatever happens game one. So let's talk about the, the Sixers heat for a second. Sure. Right, it's a good little transition. Um, what were your thoughts on that series as a whole? I'd say it was kind of a fake series almost because Embiid wasn't there for the first two games. And it sucks because it's not like Embiid is ducking the game by any sense of the imagination. I mean, you, I think you were the one who picked Embiid to be your MVP of the league. It was either between him and Giannis at one point. I picked, Gian- I picked Giannis, but. You picked Giannis, but for, for a long time you had Embiid, right? I, I think. Yeah. Was, yeah. Well, because I. You, you see on on any given night, right? And, and here's my thing with Embiid. On any given night, you can watch him and you can say, this is the best player in the sport. Yep. This is the best player in the sport. And it, it's un- and he kind of gets a bad rap for the injury stuff because of the way the first three years went. But yep. since then, like, it's been little fluky things. It hasn't been a knee. It hasn't been a foot. Like, yep. it's just been like, they got hit in the face, right? When he shouldn't have been in the game. Like exactly. It's weird. Exactly. It's just weird. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like once that happened, like I don't and there's just no other who's like the second guy on that 76ers team who is like that get everybody up, get everybody kind of moving guy. You don't have wow. that guy. And now we can wow. get really I know like you're champing at the bit right now to, to get into uh. it. I just it wasn't it, it wasn't really a real series. It was kind of just like a practice series. I felt like they, like, I don't, I'm surprised it went six games only because it seems like as good as Embiid was just, there was the supporting cast around him really just had no dog in them. And that's what we can get into right now with Harden. But you saw how important Embiid was to that team in of games course. three and four, where he didn't even put up the numbers, but his sheer presence just made all the difference. Yes. It made everybody's life easier on both ends of the court. And it didn't matter that he wasn't getting 35 and 12. It didn't matter just because he was there and he and the attention had to be paid. Like, for example, and Ryan Rosillo, who I say is the is the best, you know, guy covering sports and covering the NBA is you saw like the difference in Bam Adebayo, right? He's like, oh, I have to deal with this now. Like right. this is different now, right? Like you just you just saw you saw the difference defensively. Like he, you know, the fact that he's able to switch out onto guards the way he was. I think there was a play in game three. I forget 
where I think he – who did he have on a switch? It might have been Tyler Hero. And he just, like, locked him up at the top of the key. And this is a guy, like, who, again, had a fracture in his face and couldn't work out for a week. And a right? And he comes – yeah, and he comes back, and he's also dealing with a thumb injury that requires surgery, right? Right. And he comes back, and, and you see how awesome he is, even though he's not nearly full strength. And then he, you know, ran out of gas. Because, like, the first two games were literally a joke. Because and, – and, yeah, it's because Harden is who he is and whatever. But, like, you just saw I, – I thought that – MB just ran out of gas, right? He ran out of gas. He was beaten up like the body was beaten up. He has every excuse for the way they went out because yep, yep. like he he physically was just a shell of himself. And it's because of a fluky injury in a first round series where he shouldn't have been in the game and he got hit in the face. And weird stuff like that happens when you play sports. Yeah. I I don't know if 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 Embiid is healthy, I don't think the series ends any differently maybe it goes seven I, I still think the heat win but oh i yeah. do too but i i think the outlook of the series is completely different sure and i think at a certain point i think after which game was it when b got hit in the face again i forget when he came but was it game three or four five well he took a shot in game four and he took a shot in game five which one was the one yeah he's like on the ground you like clearly he's like in clear like actual pain yeah game like, game five i think like he's looking around at that point and he's just like nobody like i'm fighting as hard as i can through all this pain and like no one here is at this level and he i feel like at that point he's just like he's just like okay like i'm just gonna keep going as hard as i can like something that we admire about Giannis where he's just like, I'm just going to keep going, but it's just so disheartening when nobody else on your team, especially the guys who are paid to be that way are not that way. And then he takes a shot on Harden in the post-game pressure too. Well, Ma- Maxi had some dog in him. Sure. Maxi had some dog in him. And, and actually there was a great, you know, video of, and we'll get game six. Oh um, yeah. Where after Harden turns the ball over and it, looks like he couldn't give two shits in terms of getting back on defense. And Maxi on the bench is like slamming things at him. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and we'll get into Maxi in a second, but it, it's time to have the converse, the Harden conversation, the yeah, Harden yeah. slander needs to come out. And, and I didn't do it justice in the monologue because I was so hyped between the Rangers overtime game seven win and what happened in the NBA games yesterday. But, like, the James Harden thing, it is what it is. And I can't tell you how many people, after he had one good quarter of playoff basketball, I should say one good half in game four, Mm -hmm. right, were telling me, oh, James Harden's back, right? Is James Harden back? Is this, like, prime James Harden? Like, if you look at that game, he got bailed out by the referees the entire first half, right? He actually he, – okay, he made a couple of threes in the second half. Big threes, might I add. I, I can't take that away from him. But it was one half of good playoff basketball in two years. And then you have the apologist who's like, it's the hamstring. It's the hamstring. Like, it's not the hamstring, all right? It's not the hamstring. This is who he is. He's a born loser all right he's a guy who it's clear doesn't take conditioning seriously in the offseason and just doesn't have that mental dog in him i mean he took 
Two shots in the second half of game six. Two shots. And this is a guy who's going to, if he opts in to his contract, is going to make $47 million. That's max money. Two shots. He was a minus 19. Impressively Just like, bad. And he looked like he turns the ball over. He doesn't give a shit. It's like if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, what do you do at this point? Yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up, like the, the 47, because obviously he's going to opt in. Like there's no sense in the world where – Well, no, he, he can say that he's going to opt out because like he has past performance where he was on a team where he was the absolute solar system and was able to pad his stats With and the same all the stats – right. yeah. And all the stat nerds thought that he was breaking basketball to the point where you see that people on basketball Twitter are like, he's the best offensive player since Michael Jordan. And you're just like, this is ridiculous. Like, what are we right. talking about here? But because he has this past performance, he could opt out and ask for a max deal. I mean, I think if he does that, he's a lunatic. Right. And I, I don't know who pays him max money. I mean, if you look at the landscape of the league and who has cap space and, and who wants him at this point. Yeah, it's a real it's real buyer beware. He's almost he kind of like reminds me of like the like if you look at him as just like a person that you go on a date with who just has like all these miles and has like amazing accolades behind them. But all this baggage of like lack of commitment clearly doesn't take themselves seriously, clearly has issues with long term commitment and doesn't play well with others like if, if I told you all that and then I also told you on top of that oh well you know there are other parts of the relationship that are great too you'll get a lot of attention people are going to be looking at you people are going to be talking about you all the time you'll be like okay maybe I'll take it with you but if I'm a team I'm not going to guarantee this guy that much money he's buyer beware at this point right there's not really a reason that a team is going to look at him and be like yes we he he is what we need to become a competitive team what he is is he is at this point a TV deal, money deal, grab kind of player where you'll get some merchandise out of it. You'll get some good tweets. You'll get a beard night or two. But other than that, you can't really rely on him for anything past that, especially in the playoffs. And it's not like he's a bad player. He is not what he was. But I mean, at a certain point in time, he was like a top. I mean, he won the MVP. And I thought he deserved deservedly so. It's just well, like, I actually like, think LeBron should have won that year. That's fair. That's fine. I'll, I'll push back. I'll push back the a thing bit. with Harden yeah. is – because of his personality, like it's it, it's beyond the numbers. It's beyond the numbers. He his lack of professionalism. You he's never to me in the MVP conversation. Because if he's the you know centerpiece of your team, you're not going anywhere. Because he sets a tone where he doesn't take the game seriously and he tries to cheat the game. Right. And that's fair. And I just I can't take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, and and like I think once he did win the MVP, I think it just went downhill from there in terms of what he wanted to accomplish. Because for him, I think the two biggest things were three biggest things were I want to have my own team, check. I want to win an MVP and get all these accolades, check, check, check. And then I want the big de- big, big deals. And I think he got that. So I think after that point, he's like, I've really accomplished everything I want to accomplish personally. That unless I want to win a ring, which I really don't think he does because I've never really even heard him say it. And every time they've lost in the series, it just never seems like he's that defeated as much as he's more like, all right, when can I go to the strip club where he I could clear, clearly cares about more. I just don't really understand what he wants long term from himself other than just more money. So that's kind of where I'm 
looking at him and I'm disappointed because he's so talented, but he just doesn't care enough. He was right to want his own team. Sure. I get all that. And and he validated that, right? Yes. But when you're the man, you dictate how the franchise goes, right? You are the the culture setter of that team. And as much as I crap on LeBron, and sometimes LeBron sets bad culture in his teams too, but I will say this, LeBron James every single year shows up to camp in shape and ready to work, right? Does he sometimes quit on his teams during the year? Yes, we've seen that, all right? He can get a little pouty, but he comes into camp in shape every single year. And I just, if you're the Sixers, you kind of have to hope that he opts in and you play it year by year because I don't know what your other moves are. Say what you want about Ben Simmons, but he was an asset, right? And yeah. you cash the asset in for the wrong guy. And Daryl Morey's boner for James Harden is going to cost Joel Embiid his prime. The Sixers are legitimately throwing away Joel Embiid's prime. They've done it through multiple iterations of the front office, whether it was not doing what they had to do to keep Jimmy Butler, whether it was this James Harden trade. And at a certain point, if I'm Joel Embiid, I demand the trade. I want out. I, I don't hate that. Part of me wonders what other trades were out there where what they could have gone for Simmons would have made sense because I think – if you're Maury and you know, and you have this past understanding of what Harden was and Harden's like, Oh, I'll be so much better because I want to be playing with you. And I want to be playing with Embiid. And you know, that Simmons has no desire to be playing there anymore. I understand why you make that trade. And I'd probably make that trade too, because to me, it's like, okay, you just didn't want to, at that point, Houston gave up on you because they got rid of Maury. And then you went to the nets and Wait, the hold on. Houston, for you. Houston didn't give up on him. He gave up on Houston. I think I want to. I want to. I want to th- say that, or I want to believe that, coming from Maury's pe- from Maury's like personal view. If I'm Maury, I'm like, okay, all right, fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Houston gave up on Maury, and then Maury's like, oh, look, now Houston is failing James Harden because they're not giving him enough, and then. Harden plays himself out of there, gets himself to the Nets. Then he's like, okay, the Nets clearly don't work out. Let me just take another stab at Harden because it worked so well, at least from a cohesion standpoint, say what you will for postseason success. So I understand that trade. And at that point, it's like, what what were the other trades out there for Harden? So I understand why you make that trade. Sorry, what the other trades were out there for Simmons. Because I understand, like, but we can talk about this right now. I mean, at the outset of when that trade happened, we're like, oh, this is actually probably good for both teams. Harden gets to a team where he can be the guy and he'll play with Embiid. Embiid gets a guy who he can actually defer to and score. And then Simmons gets to go to a place where he doesn't have to be the guy because he'll have Kyrie and KD. I and- liked it more for the Nets at, on the outset. And yeah. obviously the Ben Simmons is totally. as big a fraud, if not more right. of a fraud than James Harden. But yeah. at this, but if you were the if you were the Sixers, right? I would rather like if you told me right now we have a trade, Seth Curry and two future first round picks and cap flexibility for James Harden, right? Taking Ben Simmons out of it for a second, right? I, I would rather Seth Curry, the two first round picks, and the cap flexibility, 
because I saw what that looked like earlier in the year, and the Sixers were really good. I don't know if that, but if I'm Daryl Morey and or Joel Embiid, who are probably jointly in Doc Rivers making that decision, does Seth Curry and all that flexibility do anything for this year of Joel's prime? And my point is no. I don't know if they get out of the Maybe. first round. They probably get out of the first round. They definitely don't get out of the second round. So you have you kind of have to take that swing. And I have to give Maury credit because he did get his guy in James Harden. Now clearly that didn't work out. But I I kind I defend that trade. I just it's just funny looking back because I think everybody at the time of the trade was either saying good deal for the Nets and good deal for for Philly because they both got the guys who they wanted to get. And now looking back, it's like. Wow, both teams, both teams got worse. Yes. Both teams got worse. That's exactly. the way it is. All right, moving on to the Western Conference. Um, so you like the Celtics, and just to put a bow on the East for a second, you like the Celtics in a long, drawn-out series to make the finals? Yeah, I would say six or seven. Uh, I think it just depends on some of the other guys, not in the main players being healthy or not. I'm leaning Celtics. I don't feel good about it. That's fair. I mean, I yeah. don't feel good about it. I eat the one seed for a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and I, I respect the hell out of Jimmy Butler. Um, okay, Western Conference. Obviously, this we're going to talk about Golden State first uh, against Memphis. They take care of business after completely punting in Game Seven. Would I mean Game Five, which was embarrassing? Mm-hmm. They come back, um, win Game Six. Clay Thompson goes crazy. Kevon Looney has a great game. Uh, Steph Curry had a great second half. Like, and you saw why the Warriors people love the Warriors so much. Um, what do you make of this of this Warriors team right now? They clearly, to me, as I mentioned in the monologue, they clearly have that bravado and that confidence, and sometimes like flat out arrogance of a team that made five finals in a row and won three titles. Sure. And again, they did that, what was it, three years ago now that they've been in the finals? Like, it's a different team, but, you know, the, the, because Clay's not the same, Draymond's not necessarily the same, and, I mean, Steph Curry's still brilliant, but where are you at with – how confident are you in this Warriors team in terms of getting to – what the Warriors looked like even in 2019 when, you know, when KD was hurt and it was just Draymond, Clay before Clay got hurt. How confident are you in the Warriors getting to that level of play, sustained level of play? Well, I actually had money on the Warriors not even getting it to the Western Conference Finals. So I want to give them their flowers for for passing my expectations. Not that that means that much, but I don't feel that confident in the Warriors only because they just haven't looked that unbeatable as they used to going up to that big run that they last had in 2019. They Consistently, because they've shown flashes of it, right? You saw in the regular it, season, but you saw it. Yeah, it's, it's not, not the same, no. It's not the same. I, I think they're, I don't want to say they're lucking out because of how the bracket of the playoffs has fallen because now, and you and I love Luka, it's, who's absolutely heated right now. I think the Warriors are probably still the better team there, but I don't think that either team remaining in the West is that much better than whoever comes out of the East. I would take both teams in the East over the teams in the West. And I don't know. I feel like you don't get anything from Draymond that much, or you really don't get that much from Draymond offensively. 
You don't know what you're going to get. Meanwhile, hold on. Meanwhile, in game six, when he shot the ball, he scored 14 points. It was doing other Draymond things. And you're just like, where the hell was this? Like, come on. Exactly. But that's, but that's like a, but that's like asking like Al Horford to score 30 points, right? Like, it's just like, you can't, you, if that happens, like you have to be as you have to, you have to be on as a team because you're not, you're not sure when you're going to get another signature performance signature in quotes for Draymond playing that well. Because I just don't believe he's that offensive player anymore. And I think that other teams are going to recognize that. I think the the Grizzlies are like that new small market, young, fun team that the Warriors were. And now they're going to be the new mainstay competing with the Warriors and the Suns maybe for relevancy in the West for the next decade because they have that young, fun, exciting team. And I think they just caught them at the right time. Jaw goes out. That's kind of like, you know, the guy for yeah. them, despite how good they were without Jaw this year. I don't really trust Clay on a game-to-game basis. I don't trust Wiggins on a quarter-to-quarter basis. And I don't really know how much I can really trust Jordan Poole in crunch time. I obviously implicitly trust Curry to do whatever he needs to do. But Curry, as you and I both know, is still limited defensively, right? And there are ways in a seven-game series where he can get frustrated and go cold. As we've seen in every finals run they've had, he isn't necessarily the main key to that team but he is a key to a championship team uh, I, th- I think you know Zach Lowe has said this that Curry is even when Durant was there that the gravity of Steph Curry yes. is is what makes that whole thing go but there yeah it, I mean it just Memphis it was it was a little too early for Memphis and obviously John Morant gets hurt they have a really bright future but when you have to rely on like Dylan Brooks to do like a lot of heavy lifting because Jaws hurt, I mean, he kind of has the old Marcus Smart. I got this. I mean, you saw that at the end of game four, and it was absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. Um, I, they just, you know, they they caught breaks. They caught they breaks, caught but sometimes, yeah, you make your own luck. And and I don't I don't hate the Warriors for that. It's just they. They dick around. Yeah. They dick around, and and this will be transitioned to, you know, the next series. They dick around, and with a guy like Luka Doncic, as great as Steph Curry is, uh, Luka's on his level, if not a little bit better right now. And if you dick around against that guy, for a team that plays defense the way that the Dallas Mavericks have shown that they can play defense, yep. you're going to get got. You're going to get got. Now, do the Warriors have a higher ceiling for where they can be? Yes. But you can't be messing around with 77. No. No. I mean, Luka is absolutely terrifying. It's actually crazy how good he is. And he's, what, in his fourth year? Like 23 he is, years old. Yeah. He is everything as advertised and more. And I love that people will still go back and argue that Trey Young was still – the right picker oh, for the Hawks. Like, just a joke. Like, oh, absolutely a joke. It's, it's unbelievable. It's insane. I mean, like, it was insane in the moment. It was insane it was in the insane. moment. It made, no, it made no sense then, and it makes no sense now. It made no sense when the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's, it, Luka is, without a doubt, the second best player in the league behind Giannis, in my opinion. I don't think – if you want to argue KD, fine. I would just well, say – I would still say Jokic and Embiid. Okay, fine. And that's also fair. I just feel like it's incredible that, that guys Oh, could- I, I think I but I agree with you. He's better than KD. He he can do more things than KD. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's and a that's nuts player. because after last playoffs, we're like KD's the first or second best player in the league. But like that's as that's as great as Luca has, you know, been on this crazy ass tear. And and I'm somebody who like gave him crap because he came in out of shape. I was like, about to say. I was gonna say like I, yeah, I held that against him. Maybe it's because I expect more from him. And when he figures that out, like when he had when he treats the game. 95% the way Giannis treats the game in terms of it being a year-round thing. Like, it could be those two guys for a, for seven years. At least. Battle it I mean, out. I was going to say, all you have to do is just get in his ear. Just get him on your Peloton subscription. I think that's what he's missing. If you get him on your Peloton workout routine, then he's going to be the best player in the league for the next 10 years. So, I don't. I, I love that he doesn't, and I know we are just crapping on Harden because we think Harden doesn't take his, himself seriously. But the difference between Harden and Luca is that Harden doesn't have a dog in him, and Luca is like all bark, all bite, and he just shows up in the playoffs. It's unbelievable. It's it's wild. It's wild. And I talk about the heliocentric offense, right? And I still, as great as Luca is, and Luca right now is better than Harden ever was. Yes. It's not even a question. But if you notice the way that Dallas won these games, it was other guys doing stuff too, right? Like when they empowered Brunson as a ball handler, they were winning games. Like if you saw last night, while the game was still a game, you know, Spencer Dimwitty had stretches where he's initiating the offense and he's doing his own stuff. And he hits like three threes, and that really blew the game open. And obviously, Luca was sensational, right? He like he set the tone with eight quick points in like two minutes, and he was he was awesome. Don't get me wrong; he was ri- ridiculous. And then the I shot mean, yeah, making think, at the end of the second quarter was nuts. It was absolutely have, nuts. He had as many points in the first half as the Suns did, right? He was the like Suns did, yeah. 25. It was 50, it was what. 57-27, Luca had 27 points, and the Suns had 27 points. It was absurd. Yeah. But when other guys aren't just standing around watching him, they play better. Like, game two, game two, right? That was the game he got hunted on defense. And to his credit, he played a lot better defense the rest of the series. Sure. His credit. And he said he needed to, and he went out and did it. So yeah. give him all the credit in the world. But that game, if you looked at the first half, that was, the I think, the game where he had 45 points. And Luka was, you know, individually spectacular. Spectacular. But they weren't winning because everybody else was standing around and just waiting to shoot catch and shoot threes. Like, basketball's a, a rhythm game. It's a flow game. Guys have to feel like they're doing stuff so they're not cold just standing around waiting to shoot threes. Right. And when he sacrifices... You know, a little bit of his stats. And gives trust as a result. As a result to other guys, they're going to win. And he hasn't figured that out yet. And when he does really figure it out, like, good Lord. Like, good Lord. Yeah, and I'm not going to say Tatum's better because Tatum's not better. I, I will objectively say, but but as you were saying before, Tatum's Tatum ability. Figured out, Tatum figured out a playmaking aspect of his game and again he's not the primary ball handler like smart initiates offense like so it's not exactly apples and you know it's kind of apples and oranges it's not apples to apples but Tatum figured it out a little bit and and Luke is a tremendous playmaker don't get me wrong 
but it's just that that extra little piece where it's like I need to make sure that the other guys are really engaged, are really, really engaged. And I mean, that game seven was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, what did you what did you think about that series in a sense where after game five happens, Booker has a big game, game five, and we need to talk about Devin Booker in a little bit. But he has a big game five going into Dallas. Did you expect Phoenix, given their regular season profile, given the fact that they were the finals last year, did you expect Phoenix to just like take care of business? Or, you know, how surprised were you with the outcome? Aside from the final score of game seven. I was, yeah, I, I was surprised at the outcome only because I thought that Phoenix was just once again, the clearly the better team. I, I had, I had, I think we both this year, I think we both had the Suns and the, uh, and the Bucks as a rematch in the finals because the yeah. Bucks and the Suns or the Suns, as we said, were on this historical regular season tear. They were phenomenal. And then after the first series against the, the Pelicans, we were like, okay, weird that they struggled there, but you know, maybe they're just kind of figuring some stuff out. Paul is still trying to get back into the swing of things. There's some health issues, but they should be fine. And then it was just weird to see them really just struggle to kind of do what they were doing in the regular season where night in and night out, like if they were down by 10 or 20 or whatever, they would just, or even if they were up by five or then it became a two point game, they're like, all right, time for us to take over. It was just weird that that never really happened in this series. And Luca kind of like broke them. I feel like mentally when he was playing against them in the series, it didn't make any sense to me. I really thought that the game was The series was going to be over in five going into the series. Cause I just didn't think that Luca coming off of a calf strain in the first series was even going to be able to be remotely as remarkable as he has been. So I was shocked that the Suns are just like falling apart at the seams, whether there are some injuries. And I think that Chris Paul had like some quad injury that. Oh, because of course. And, you know, there's something going on with Aiton who only played 17 minutes in that game, which doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about that later, but like, yeah, Booker for all the flowers that he was given, I think by you as well, being like, Oh, he's first team, all NBA MVP. He, Definitely took a beating, I think, in the NBA player power rankings, I think, as the series went on. Because it was clear that if you look at who his younger contemporaries are in the rest of the playoffs, especially in that series, he just isn't at that level yet. Now, he can be, and maybe like if Chris Paul isn't there, he may get that next level, or maybe just some more Chris Paul tutelage, he'll get to that level. But he's not at the level of a Luka or a Tatum yet. I think he's at the Donovan Mitchell level right below. My big and I actually and I've said this all along and I've been consistent with this. Like Donovan Mitchell's the better of the two. Mm-hmm. If you look at Devin Booker's career, his first six years in, in and again, the Phoenix Suns were a mess, right? Then he they have that great bubble stretch. Fine. Sure. But other than that, they've been under 500 every single year, his first six years of his career. Chris Paul comes miraculously goes to the finals. Yeah. Right. You know, cause, cause for all the flaws that Chris Paul has and he has his playoff flaws, I mean, his, the, the gap between his best and his worst in the playoffs is bigger than maybe any player in NBA history of that stature of that level. Right. But Booker does all of a sudden does a lot of talking, a lot, a lot of talking you know, for a guy who had his career transformed by Chris Paul. Let's call it what it is, right? His career arc was transformed by Chris Paul getting there. 
And he's doing a lot of yapping, a lot of like, why am I not being mentioned in the MVP voting? Why am I not being mentioned like this? Why am I not being mentioned like that? And he legitimately thought that he was on, you know, Luca's level, that they were equals. Well, there's levels to this, all right? And it always bothers me when guys when guys do a lot of chirping and, you know, and Luca's taking the mantle from like James Harden in terms of foul hunting, right? And flopping on the offensive end, trying to get calls, right? So you combine that, you combine that with a lot of talking, a lot of talking, and then Luca put it on you. Luca put it on you. Like sometimes, you know, self-awareness is very important, right? Now, and, and all NBA players of that stature have a supreme confidence because they have to, right? Because that's how they got there. Right. But like, you should know better, man. Like, don't poke the bear because the bear is going to bite back, right? And the bear bit back and then he had, you know, basically five points in the first half of a game seven on his home court and they were down by 42 points at the end of three quarters like oh, yeah he there's got levels to this dude he got he got i mean he got absolutely sunned as they say right like he yeah. just got completely put in his place i loved every second of it it was because great. of all I the mean, bitching and the whining and the corny ass post game you know workout videos where they're not even chucking any weights like all this <laughs> goofy ass shit and he's yeah. taking like all the annoying things that we hated about chris paul the aggro crap doing all the extra stuff like he took it to like a new level talking crap to luca like he's like his equal or better like get out of my face dude yeah i it, it, it's just more it's less on devin booker i feel like and more just talking about luca because if Booker shows up and plays as he did in that game four or five, where he exploded for 30 points or whatever, I mean, then you're like, okay, like you're fighting back and you gave everything you got and you're allowed to talk your shit because you also played up to that level. Right. But then be like, I don't want to compare him to Pat Beverly because he's not Pat Beverly clearly, but when you no, talk we can't, we like can't Pat Beverly and then you show up and you play like Pat Beverly offensively, that's when you kind of have to go back to your little, to your little corner. So who do you like in the um, in the Western Conference Finals? I hate to bet against Luca. I don't feel confident in his supporting cast, though, compared to the Warriors who have been there. Even if that, even if the the main core of that Warriors are older and not what they once were, I kind of trust their depth. Maybe not the best player in the league, right? Because I'd say Luca right now is the best player in that series, but I'd say. Two through ten, if you look, if you look down, comparing the rest of the players, I would say more of those two through ten guys are on the Warriors than on the the Mavs. Who guards Luca for the Warriors? Who checks? I mean, it's not going to be one guy, but who's going to be the primary guy? I think it depends because I feel like it's will the Mavs want to play small ball? I, I guess they already kind of do play small ball, right? I mean, that's kind of what their game is. If it is small ball, I think that feeds into the Warriors a little bit. I don't trust Draymond. I definitely don't trust Draymond. Well, Draymond's going to get a couple of possessions. He'll he's going to get a couple of possessions. He'll get switched on to him, and that'll be fine, but he's not going to be the primary guy. I, I think – like, it can't be – I guess it has to be Clay, but I don't know if Clay is – Wiggins. 
Wiggins and Clay, I guess, will have to switch off, but I don't think it matters. I mean, the 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 Suns were clearly the better team top to bottom and on paper comparatively to the uh, Warriors, especially in terms of defense. The Suns were one of the best defensive teams in the league, and Miles Bridges was treated like he was absolute trash. Yeah, Mikael Mikael Bridges had a had a had, had sorry, a tough Bridges, series. Excuse me, yeah, had a had a tough series for a guy yeah. who's going to make an all and all defense team. He had a, he had a tough tough sledding. So I yeah I don't know who covers them, but at the same time I don't know how the Mavs really cover some of the playmakers on the Warriors because as good as Luca has been defensively this year, especially as the postseason has gone along, who is he covering on defense? You know, I think you'll be able to hide him on Wiggins. That's fine, and I guess it comes back to whether or not Wiggins shows up in a quarter or not. But yeah, I I'd still trust the playmaking ability of. The PTSD lineup, as they say, right? Poole, Steph, Tr- uh, Draymond, and, and Thompson. I feel like over seven games, I trust them more than I trust the Mavs because I feel like the, it was more about the Suns shitting the bed than it was the Mavs playing amazing. Because how like I, I I think it was Simmons. I don't know. I think the Mavs took it from them. They did. I mean, they, obviously, I, Game Seven was was a catastrophe. But I think the Mavs took it from them. like Dinwiddie's not Dinwiddie's not going to do that. And yeah. two more games in the series, right? Like Dinwiddie's still going to be your third guard off the bench, and like you're not going to—he's not giving you 25 or however much he had in an, in another crucial game. It's going to be interesting. I I'm leaning Warriors in seven. Yeah. And as not good as I feel about the East, I feel even worse, less good. Oh yeah. About this. Yeah. Avi, this was fun, man. This was yeah. good. Welcome back from Greece. I'm glad that uh, you didn't run into the odds of the Kumpos and they were, uh, I think they were a little preoccupied, so you yeah. weren't going to have any issues. Um, good to talk to you. This was wonderful. And uh, we'll speak soon, man. Congrats yeah, yeah. on the Celtics, even though you're a Nuggets fan. And <laughs> I guess uh, we won't mention uh, the Bruins game seven, because again, you're an Avalanche fan. Of course. Well, yeah, abs all the way. Are we, are we, because now that you're like a resident of Miami, are you now a Heat fan or like, wh- how does that work exactly? Oh my God. That's the most disrespectful thing I've ever been told on this podcast. Disrespect. So if, so if Uncle Mike, also known as my father, wants to go to a Celtics Miami game, are you coming? Are you not going? How, what are you showing? I will 100% be there. Yes, okay. I will take the invite. That's 100%. <laughs> uh no question i will be there i am actually looking into tickets for uh game two but we'll see we'll see how that goes obviously this was great man i'll speak to you soon we'll text throughout the playoffs like we always do sounds good man peace see you bud thanks again to recurring guest avi wexer for coming on and giving me over an hour to talk nba hoops really good stuff from him by the way i just have to correct myself a little bit i said in the monologue that the rangers didn't really have a lot of playoff experience collective. Well, I mean, that excludes Chris Kreider, who's been in a bunch of Game 7s and actually had a great record. I should say has a great career record in Game 7s. So shout out to the Rangers. Good stuff. That's episode 157 for the love of the game. Take us out, Eric B. and Rock Kim. Better than some brand new, cause it's original in the wild style. I have much more value. Classical, too intelligent to be radical. Masterful, never irrelevant, mathematical. Here's some super souvenirs for all the years. You fought your sword for thoughts and ideas. It's cool when you freak to the beat. But don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.